Dick Tracy is in trouble again. Mrs. Whittle sighed. I must buy the child some dresses for the summer, she said. She has grown again. Nothing will fit her. Oh, crow, groaned Lucinda. Can't she be blown up in an old dress, asked Mr. Whittle a little irritably. I suppose she could, replied his wife. But if we're all going to explode together, there's no use trying to save, is there? Mrs. Whittle was a practical soul whose motto was to do the best she could with what she had. This included Mr. Whittle, her daughter, her seven-room house with mortgage, the 1937 Chevrolet Coupe, and Mr. Whittle's small salary. It is true that at the end of twenty years Mr. Whittle could expect to retire on a pension, but Mrs. Whittle did not expect to live that long. Not that she looked for the world to end. The world, she thought, would last longer than she would. But sometimes, lying alone in the dark at night, while Mr. Whittle snored in a small way at her side, she imagined that she was suffering from an incurable disease, like cancer or some unknown trouble. Death, she thought. There it is. I can't escape it. The minute I was born, I couldn't escape it, no matter what I did. I am simply a mouse in a trap. Then she felt sorry for herself, and for Lucinda and Mr. Whittle, and had to sing to keep her spirits up. She sang under her breath in a whisper, so as not to wake up Mr. Whittle. Alas, that spring should vanish with the rose. When she got to the high note, she just imagined it. In the morning, she felt fine again, and ready to take care of everything. Or, sometimes in the long spring evenings, with the damp, sweet smell of earth around her, and the robins busy in the grass, she thought of the many, many lovers long ago who had watched the spring, had seen the leaves unfurl and the lilac bloom, and who had grown old and died. And still the birds sang, and the roses blossomed. It made her sad, and comforted her at the same time. But when she tried to mention something of the kind to Mr. Whittle, he knew all about it. The sense of a continuing existence was very strong among most of the ancient peoples, he said, particularly the Chinese. The Greeks, on the other hand, were egocentrics and did not go in for ancestor worship like the Romans. This explanation struck Mrs. Whittle as a little dry, considering the feelings she had tried to express. As for Lucinda, death was completely meaningless and only happened to other people. However, when she realized that the whole world might blow up, she felt a twinge of alarm and exclaimed, Jeepers! For it occurred to her that in that case, she would miss the long summer vacation. She lived for immediate things, for small pleasures greedily devoured and soon forgotten, for the sudden moment of joy, for the long hours of waiting, and the thought of being fitted into a new dress. She experienced an almost physical nausea. It's so boring, she exclaimed. You just stand around and stand around. And what else, asked Mrs. Whittle, have you got to do that's so important? She had nothing to do.
and everything. They were her friends, Marion and Ellen, down the street. They could play games together, or read the comics, or simply walk up and down and feel the importance, the rapture of growing up. There was the new boy, Ralph Wender, who lived on the corner and was fourteen and smooth. This was only to say that he was new and therefore still to be explored and put in his proper place. Actually, he was awkward and lumpy as a calf. And finally, there was the spring itself, fresh, mild, sweet, and full of dreams, like a bowl full of cookies. Merely to dream was to do something, something important. She couldn't say what. Mrs. Whittle knew her daughter and sympathized with her. She saw herself at twelve and remembered what life had looked like.